You're listening to a presentation of The Rising, a community of faith, a church designed to see people far from God raised to true life. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. never, never get tired of seeing that. And I hope, I hope you don't get tired of seeing that either, seeing people get baptized. I hope that you never take for granted hearing the stories of how God is changing people in this church. Because since we've started, including these two baptisms we just saw, mother and daughter, we've baptized 38 people in 10 months. Come on. And listen, I tell you that, I tell you that, because I don't want us to take it for granted. You know, sometimes you can see something so many times that after a while you start to take it for granted. Even though it's a really good thing, you start to take it for granted. I never want us to take for granted the move of God that is taking place in this church. I want us to always celebrate because every time we see somebody get baptized, we get to witness resurrection as they're buried in the water and they come up raised to true life. I want to ask you, would you give it up one more time for the people who just got baptized? Come on, you'd be clapping louder than that if your friend was in there. Come on. Yeah. At the, uh, the end of the worship experience, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a decision to stand with these two ladies who got baptized. We're also going to see Sarah get baptized and give her life to Jesus. But I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you believe in Jesus, that he died for you on the cross, he rose again from the dead. If you want to follow him, you want to make him the leader of your life, and you want to be immersed in him, then today I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand and accept him so that we can celebrate with you as well. But before we do that, we got a sermon to get through. Y'all ready for this? All right, good. I hope so, because this happening whether you're ready or not. So um, we got a sermon, and listen, when we, when we come and gather like this, the way that we view it is that this isn't just something that we do. Like, we don't just show up for church service, and I'm just going through the motions or anything like that, but we want to have an experience with God, and this is a, a sermon that I'm about to deliver that um, I really need you to get, okay? Like, I need you to get it. I, I, I hope every Sunday when you come, you got an expectant attitude, you're leaning forward, you're ready to take notes, but I really need you to get this one today. Because I believe that if you get what I'm going to say today, if this becomes the core and the center of who you are, if it becomes your understanding of yourself and how God sees you, then it'll change everything for you. And so, so can you work with me on this and just, if I say something that resonates with you, would you just respond to it? You're not responding to me. You're not cheering me on, but you're responding to what God is doing in your heart. You're cheering on saying, oh, that's a good word. I'm going to take it and put it in me. So I need you to help me preach this today, but at the same time, I just need you to get it. Can you get it today? All right, good. All right. Well, that's encouraging. Well, I want to ask you, in the, um, in the famous words of the singer Hathaway, I have a question for you, uh, and here's, here's the question. What is love? <laughs> what is love? That's the question. What is love? I wonder, what, what is this thing 
that many of us are so obsessed with? What is this thing that we, we pursue and that we long to experience in our life? What, what is this thing that Sophocles says frees us from the weight and pain of life? And if you've ever experienced love, then you know that that's what it does. It frees us from the weight and pain of life. But also, if you've experienced love, you know that it brings with it a different kind of weight, a different kind of pain at times. And so I wonder, what is this thing that brings both joy and sorrow, both, both hope and heartbreak in our life? What, what is this thing that made it so that Romeo and Juliet were inseparable and ultimately led them to their deaths? What, what is this thing that pushes against evolutionary theory and survival of the fittest so that we would sacrifice for the benefit of somebody else. What is this thing that we call love? And you know, as people, we all love love, right? Like, I mean, everybody loves love. We love romantic love. We love sacrificial love. We love enduring love. We love motivational love. We kind of, we, we love the love in relationships. We love the love that inspires somebody to stand for something. We love the love that motivates someone to do something amazing. See, we all love love, but what is love? What is this thing that we call love? This is the question that we're going to be exploring over the next four weeks uh, during this month in this series, uh, Summer of Love. And uh, I just want to be clear, because uh, some people may be wondering, wait, is this a dating relationship kind of series? It's not. This isn't a series on dating or relationships, and maybe you're like, dang it. But this is a series that's really about love as we see it in the Bible. But, but here's what I believe, that as we uh, discover what God has to say about love, then it'll help us in our relationships. But this really is a series about the instances, some of the instances that we see love in the Bible. And what we're going to do throughout this series is we're going to allow what we uncover through this series to shape how we live. And so to get started, I, I just want to ask, how many, how many parents are in the room? Make some noise if you're a parent. Yeah, you should be proud about it. Because you went through a lot of hard work to get that kid. So you, you should definitely be proud that you're a parent. Some of you are like, Dang it, I'm a parent. Uh. But you should be proud about it. You went through a lot of hard work to get your kid. And, um, you know, I think I, I asked that because uh, there's a special kind of love between a parent and a child. I think it's one of the greatest forms of love that we can experience. Now, now, I don't think it's the greatest form of love. It's one of them. I think the greatest form of love we experience is the love that God has for us and the love that we have for God. And then following that should be the love that we have uh, with a spouse, a husband or a wife. And then, and then following that should be the love that we have for our, our children. But, but I think the love of a parent and a child is one of the, the greatest forms of love that we can have. I, I once heard somebody describe having a child like this. They said to be a parent and to have a child is like having someone rip your heart out of your chest and allow it to walk around. Because, I mean, that's what your kid is, isn't it? Like, you have a special connection to that little person that nobody else has. And so when they discover something for the first time, you feel their sense of wonder. When they have joy, you have joy. Uh, when they do something that makes you proud, you smile. Why? Because they're your heart ripped out of your chest, and now they're walking around. But just as though your kid were your heart ripped out of your chest walking around, in the same way you feel their joy, you also feel their pain. When they go through something difficult, your heart breaks, right? When they refuse to learn the easy way, your heart breaks for them. Why? Because that kid is like your heart ripped out of your chest walking around. I think the love that a parent has for a child is one of the greatest forms of love that we could ever have. And if you're, if you're not a parent today, that's okay, that's fine. I think you'll still be able to grasp what I'm going to share with you today. I, I think you'll be able to understand it, but it may be like looking at a picture in black and white. You'll still get it, but it may be like looking at a picture in black and white. But if you are a parent today, 
I think you'll be able to better fully appreciate what I'm going to share with you because you know the kind of love that I'm talking about. It'll be like looking at a picture in color. Uh, but whether you're a parent or not, uh, I really believe that if you grasp what I'm going to share today, if you allow it to get deep down inside of you, to the core of your being, the essence of who you are, if you see yourself this way, then it'll change everything. It'll change the way that you view God, it'll change the way that you view yourself, and it'll change the way that you view other people. And so uh, I want to show you this in the scriptures. If you have a Bible, would you open up to John chapter 15? And we're going to start reading in verse 9. If you want to follow along in a Bible or a Bible app, it's John chapter 15, starting in verse 9. You're like, how do you get there so quick? It's because I got a ribbon in my Bible that I already knew we were going there. But John chapter 15, verse 9. We'll also have the words for you on the screen, though. Now, before we read this, uh, I want to tell you about John. John is the gospel writer. He was one of Jesus' disciples, one of his 12 followers. And uh, John gave himself a nickname. Now, I don't know if you give yourself a nickname, how official that is. Like, I, th I think somebody else needs to give you a nickname, but, but regardless, John gave himself a nickname. And uh, here's the nickname that John gave himself right here. He called himself the one whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, now that sounds a little arrogant, right? I mean, John, there's 11 other disciples, and you're saying you're the one whom Jesus loves. That'd be like if you had three kids and one of them went around saying, I'm the one mom and dad love. We all know it. I mean, that seems a little cocky, doesn't it? But I wonder, I wonder if instead of arrogance or, or cockiness, maybe that was his motive, but, but, but I don't know. If instead of being arrogant or cocky, I wonder if on the contrary, John gave himself this nickname because he needed it to be a reminder of his identity. I wonder if John gave himself this nickname, the one whom Jesus loves, so that when people told him, John, you'll never amount to anything, you're just a failure, he could say, no, I'm not a failure, I'm the one whom Jesus loves. I wonder if John gave himself this nickname so that when thoughts of insecurity began to creep into his mind and he started to tell himself, you're no good, you're useless, you're worthless, he could say, no, I'm the one who Jesus loves. I wonder if John chose to give himself this nickname so that when he got frustrated with something, he said, I'll never be able to do it, I'm just not smart enough, he could say, no, I'm not an idiot, I'm the one who Jesus loves. I wonder if John gave himself this nickname because he needed a reminder that his identity was rooted and founded in the fact that he was the one whom Jesus loved. I wonder today, is there anybody here who you need a reminder that your identity is rooted and founded in the fact that you're the one who Jesus loves? I guess not. I wonder, I wonder, is there anyone here today, you need a reminder today that your identity is founded and, come on, that you're the one who Jesus loves. So that when you say to yourself, well, I'll never get better. No, you will because you're the one who Jesus loves. Well, I'm just a screw-up. No, you're not. You're the one who Jesus loves. Well, I'm just an alcoholic. I'm just an addict. I'm a bad parent. I'm a bad mother. I'm a bad husband, father, son, daughter, whatever it is. No, you are the one who Jesus loves. John said, I'm the one who Jesus loves. I think it's because he needed a reminder of his true identity. How often do we get sidetracked by so many other identities people are trying to give us and that we give ourselves? John said, I'm the one who Jesus loves. And then John is also known as uh, the disciple of love. What I mean is in the New Testament scriptures, the word love is used 232 times. And 103 of those times it's used by John. And so John uses the word love almost half of the time 
uh, that it's used in the New Testament. So he's known as the disciple of love. And I think the reason why John uses this word love so much is because for John, this is at the core of his being. It's rooted in who he is. He's centered in love. When he thinks about his relationship with God, that's how he sums it up with the word love. And I think the reason why John has this understanding of love why he views himself this way, why he views God through the lens of love is because of a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 9. Now the scene here is this. Uh, Jesus is with his disciples. They're probably walking through a vineyard, and Jesus is talking about uh, the plants there, and he's talking about uh, the vines and the branches, and he says that these branches get their energy, their nourishment from uh, the, the vine. And so in order for them to continue to get that nourishment, that life, so to speak, from the vine, the branches have to remain in the vine. They have to stay connected to the vine in the same way that's you and I. If we're going to continue uh, to experience true life, we need to stay connected with Jesus. That's why it's so important that we make being in the house of God on Sunday morning a priority. And when I talk about being in the house, I'm not talking about being in a place. This is a concert venue. But I'm talking about the gathering, the people who make up the house. And so making this a priority. And so he, he goes on, though, in verse 9. Here's what he says. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Now, in these eight verses... Jesus uses the word love nine times. And here's what I find so fascinating. When Jesus starts off, he says, as the Father has loved me, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I just want to take a moment for us to memorize this verse of scripture so that when you leave today and you're eating lunch at Buffalo Wild Wings, you'll be thinking about this scripture. And uh, I mentioned Buffalo Wild Wings right over here uh, because I'm going to go there today and you should join me. But a couple months ago, th this is fascinating. Um, a couple months ago, the manager of the Buffalo Wild Wings, like he knows me and he knows about our church, he came to me and said, hey, we just want to help out your church, and so here's what we'll do. For however long you want, uh, we'll make it so that anybody who comes and eats here and like mentions the rising, or Team C is what we're classified as, who mentions the rising, we will give your church 10% of their check. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even ask for it. He was just like, we just want to help you. And so today we'll all go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and I'll let you buy the drinks, and uh, we'll be good. So... But, but I want to take a moment for us to memorize this passage so that when you leave today, you'll have left with a new tool for your heart and mind. And so let's, let's memorize this together. I just want you to repeat this after me. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
Now remain in my love. Let's try it one more time. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Here, take that down off the screen. They're cheating. They're cheating. Take that down off the screen. Here. Now I want you to say it with me. Here we go. Ready? All together now. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. A little more gusto and not like a cult. Here we go. As the, here we go. Ready? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Congratulations. You just memorized a verse of scripture. It only took you 30 seconds. But here's what also you did. Not only did you memorize a verse of scripture, but you put a new tool in your heart and in your head so that this week when the enemy, when Satan comes at you trying to transform your identity to something that's not, and he puts these negative thoughts in your head, you can respond by saying, no, devil, because as the Father has loved me, that's how God loves Jesus, I have loved you. That's how Jesus loves me. Now remain in my love, and I'm remaining in God's love. And Satan, you need to back away from me because my identity is not found in what you say, but it's in who God says that I am. See, you got a new tool now. Now, the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. And when Jesus starts off this sentence, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love, he starts it off with the Greek word kathos. Let me hear you say kathos. Yeah, kathos is the word as, uh, but it also means this more, more specifically, with the same proportion or in the same way. And so what Jesus is saying is just as the Father loves me, with the same proportion that God loves Jesus, in the same way that the Father loves me, I have loved you. So I love you, Jesus is saying, I love you in the same way, with the same proportion that God loves me. You are loved by Jesus just as much as the Father loves the Son. And you know, when we think about it, about God the Father loving Jesus the Son, we'd all probably say, well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because, I mean, that's what fathers and sons do. Fathers love their kids. I mean, also, if you think about Jesus, he's a pretty good guy to love, right? He, he's easy to love. He, he fed a lot of people. He, he healed people. He performed a lot of miracles. He went on great speaking tours. He did a lot of really great things. And so it's easy to love Jesus. But I want to show you the extent that the Father loves Jesus. Keep your spot in John, but I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read starting in verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Now, what you need to know is that what we're about to read here takes place before Jesus' ministry ever happened, before he's healed anybody, before he's fed anybody, before he's done any miracles, before he's gone on any speaking tours, before he's kissed any babies. Jesus is baptized. The beginning of his ministry, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now, this is a different John. This isn't uh, John who's writing the Gospel of John. This isn't one of his disciples, but this is John the Baptist. And what he's doing is he's baptizing people. So Jesus comes to John to be baptized, to be immersed, like what we just saw uh, earlier in the worship experience. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And watch this, verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Here's what we need to remember. 
before Jesus did anything, before he healed anybody, before he fed anybody, before he did anything significant or noteworthy, before he taught anything great, God the Father said, this is my son with whom I love. What happens is that God is saying to Jesus, your value is not based in what you've done. Your significance is not based in your accomplishments, but I love you because of who you are, because of who I've called you to be. That's why I love you, not because of what you've done, but based on who you are. And Jesus says, in the same way that the Father loves me, that's how I love you. I love you based not on what you've done, the good or the bad, but on who you are. You know, I meet people sometimes and they say, well, there's no way, Pastor, that God could ever love me. Because if you knew me, if you knew what I've done in my life, if you know what I'm going through right now, then you would know that there's no way God could ever love me. Because there's some stuff that I've done, there's some stuff that I'm doing right now that God would never approve of. And that may be true. There may be some things in your life that you've done previously. Maybe some things that you have going on right now, some attitudes that you have, some ways of thinking, some things that you're doing right now that God does not approve of. Because God doesn't approve of our sin. But don't you know that approval and love are two different things? You can love somebody and not approve of what they do. I don't approve of my daughter's bad behavior at times, but I still love her. Why? Because my love is based not on what she does, but based on who she is. In the same way, God may not approve of your sin, but he sees the mess behind your mask, and he loves you anyway. Jesus is saying... In the same way that the Father loves me, not because of what I've done, but because of who I am. In the same way, I love you, not because of what you've done, but based on who you are. I think some people need to hear that today. That your Heavenly Father loves you, and it's not dependent on what you've done. Your Heavenly Father loves you, and it's not dependent on what you've done. Your Heavenly Father loves you, and it's not dependent on what you've done. Your heavenly father loves you, and it is not dependent on what you've done. I think you need to hear it again, that your heavenly father loves you, you, and it's not dependent on what you've done. Sometimes we've got to hear something over and over and over for it to finally get inside of us, but it's true that your heavenly father loves you, and it's not dependent on what you've done. It's based on who you are, because don't you know that I love my daughter even though she's done nothing significant in her life as of yet. She really hasn't. She's almost three years old. The, the best she can do is say please and thank you without being reminded. But even then, I still got a reminder, and so she doesn't even get that right. But I love her not based on what she's done, but based on who she is. When she was a baby and she pooped in her diapers, I didn't say what's wrong with you and write her off. No, because I love her based on who she is and not what she's done. So I want to ask you today, do you believe that God loves you for who you are? And not as you should be. Because none of us are as we should be. But God is calling us to be all he's created us to be. Let me ask you, do do you believe today? See, you need to understand this. You need to get this deep down inside of you. That God loves you not because you're good. Because you're not. None of us are good. All of us have rebelled against God. All of us have gone our own way. God doesn't love us because we're good. God loves us because he's good. Do you believe today that there's nothing you can do to earn God's love because he's already given it to you? 
He's already given it to you. Even if you never accept it, even if you never change your ways and follow him, he still loves you. Now, he desires for you to accept him. He desires for you to change and follow him. But even if you don't, God loves you because his love is not based on what you've done, but who you are. Do you believe that today? Is that your deep understanding of who you are? Is that the reality of your life? Not just a concept. See, we hear, oh, Jesus loves you, and we brush it off. It doesn't mean anything. But for you today, is that the essence of your being that God loves you? God loves you. God loves you. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on who you are. I wonder what would happen in our lives if this understanding of God were a reality for us. What if you really believed deep down inside the core of your being that God loves you? And it's for who you are and not what you've done. That in the same way that the Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves you and now remain in his love. What would happen if you remained in that kind of love, if that became your identity? I'll tell you, for me, one, one thing that would change is this. Um, I probably wouldn't get so defensive at times. I mean, if somebody were to say something that seemed uh, accusing or attacking, or maybe they said it in a tone that didn't believe the best, uh, then rather than trying to defend myself or become defensive, I would just realize that whatever it is they think about me, that doesn't define me, but my identity is defined by God, and I'm the one who Jesus loves. I mean, that's just me. I mean, I, I know none of y'all struggle with that, but, but, but I would never be defensive anymore. I wonder, I wonder, though, what is it for you? What would change in your life? If you really got it deep down inside of you that your identity was the one whom Jesus loved. I, I wonder if for some of you, you would stop with all the negative self-talk. You know, sometimes we talk worse to ourselves than we would allow anybody else to talk to us. Like if anybody else said the things that you say to yourself, you'd fight them. But, but, but you'll tell yourself over and over and over, I'm stupid, I'm no good, I can't do this. And we constantly play the negative self-talk in our minds and we allow ourselves to say that. What if instead of allowing the negative self-talk to reign in our life, our identity was founded in, no, I'm the one whom Jesus loves. My identity is not based on what I do, but who I am. And Jesus says he loves me. What, what if this was your identity? I, I, I wonder for some of you, would you stop trying to find love in all the wrong places? Would you not settle? Because sometimes we settle. Well, I'll just never find anybody better than this, and so I'll just be with this person. No. Don't settle for a hamburger when you deserve a steak. Sometimes we do this, right? Well, well I'll just settle for this person who doesn't treat me right, this person who what? What if you knew deep down inside, I'm the one who Jesus loves, and so I don't need to settle. I don't need to lower my standards. I wonder, for some of you, if, if this was your identity, would you continue to go back to the destructive habit? Would you keep going back to that addiction because you don't love yourself? What if you really believe that Jesus loves me? I'm the one whom Jesus loves, and it's based not on what I do but who I am, and I really believe that. Would you keep going back to that destructive habit? Because, listen, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to go back to that anymore because you're the one who Jesus loves. I wonder, I wonder for ladies, ladies. If this was your identity, would you stop comparing yourself with other ladies? If you really knew I'm the one whom Jesus loved, would you stop saying, well, if I had a body like hers or if my thighs wouldn't touch? It's too real. Okay. What if? What if this was our identity? Would you stop trying to find your identity in your career, in your house, your car, how much money 
you made what if this was deep down inside of us, at the core of our being, I'm the one whom Jesus loved. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said, in the same way, not based on what you've done, but who you are, in the same way, I love you. Now I want you to remain in my love. That's a, that's a pretty good sermon right there, right? I could, I could just stop right there. I could be like, yeah, so go out and your identity is in Jesus and you need to live that way and get rid of all the stuff in Jesus. That's, that's a good sermon. I could stop right there. But I can't, I can't stop there because I still got about seven minutes left. But also, about, about seven minutes and 20 seconds. But also, Jesus doesn't stop there. See, Jesus tells his disciples, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. But then he goes on. Look at John chapter 15, starting in verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Uh Uh-oh. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And so the way that we stay rooted, and this is our identity, is we keep God's commands. Watch this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And here's this command. He says this. My command is this. You know how we know it's his command? Because he says, my command is this. My command is this. Watch. Love each other as I have loved you. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now I want you to love each other as I have loved you. Now this seems like a cruel joke, doesn't it? I mean, it's one thing, it's one thing if Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, and now I want you to love the Father again. I mean, it's easier to love God because God is good, and and we can kind of get behind that God wants the best for us, but Jesus doesn't say that. Instead, he said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, and now my command is this. I want you to remain in my love. The way you remain in my love is simply love others just as kathos with the same proportion in the same way that I love you. I want you to love others Not based on what they've done, good or bad, but I want you to love others because they're created in the image of God. I want you to love others because I love them. Don't you know that the person that you hate is somebody Jesus loves? Jesus loves that person just as much as he loves you. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me. Think of the immensity, the the, the proportion with which God loves his son. It's like overflowing love, like big love as the father loves me that's how i love you i've, I've overlooked your sins I've, I've loved you in the midst of that I've, I've overcome that with my death on the cross in the same way with the same immensity with the same proportion i want you now to love others jesus do you know what you're asking me to do because i don't think you understand jesus because you don't know what they've done to me in my life See, Jesus, you don't know what that person did to me when I was younger. Jesus, that that woman, she talks about me all the time behind my back at work. Jesus, my dad walked out on me when I was seven years old. I don't think you know what you're asking me to do, Jesus, because listen, they said they were my friend, and then they stabbed me in the back. Look, Jesus, I appreciate your love and all. That's great and everything, but I can't love them like that. Thank you for loving me while I was still your enemy, while I rebelled against you, while I've done wrong, but I can't love them like that. Jesus says, listen, my command is this. 
because I've loved you for who you are and not as you should be, I want you to love other people that same way. I should have ended early, huh? It's too real. This is what he says, though. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now I want you to love others. I wonder who in your life, who in your life do you need to love, not based on what they've done, but based on who they are, as somebody created in the image of God, as somebody who God loves. This is where it gets rough. This is where it gets hard. But look at this. When we realize that our identity is the one whom Jesus loves because Jesus loves us just as the Father loves him, this is why we got to start here. You got to know that this is my identity. This is the core of my essence because then we realize not based on what I've done but based on who I am, Jesus loves me. And so that becomes who we are, right? Again, we have to get that deep down inside because when we do that, then the love of God begins to overflow in us. And when it starts to overflow, then we can realize I didn't deserve God's love. I didn't do anything to earn it. He just loves me because of who I am. Well, because that's overflowing in my life, I'm gonna let it spill out in others because my identity is based in one whom Jesus loves, then I now can love other people. It's hard for us to get this first, that Jesus loves us. We need to get this. This is our identity. We allow it to overflow to others because when we love others, Jesus says that's how we love God. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, I want you to love others because when you love others, you love the Father. It's a cycle. It's a circle. Look at this. I saw this this week when I was going over it, too. I drew this up. I said, man, that's pretty good. People are going to like that. It's a nice little drawing. But then I saw this. I saw this, too. Watch. As the Father loves the Son, so the Son loves you. But watch this. When we love others, when we love others, as the Father loves the Son, the Son loves you. When we love others, that's how others see Jesus through you, because you love. So as the Father has loved Jesus, Jesus has loved you, you love others, and then others get to see God through you. Through you, they get to see God. How else are they going to see God unless they see him through you? When you're at your job and that, and that person is, is going off talking about somebody and you say, hey, why do we need to gossip? Why do you feel so low about yourself that you need to put somebody else down? Hey, you know I used to feel that way. I used to be insecure, but let me tell you how, how that changed for me. You know why I don't ever talk bad about you? Because I realized that my identity was found in Jesus, and he's transformed me, and he's called me to love even you, and so I want to show you who God is through how I love. See, as the Father has loved Jesus, Jesus loves you. You love others, and when you love others, you show them who God is through your life. I wonder for you today, who do you need to love? Who do you need to forgive? Who needs to see God today through the way that you love? You know, I told you that John uh, was the disciple of love. Later on in his life, about 55 years after this conversation uh, that Jesus has with his disciples, John writes uh, the letter of 1 John. He writes this to uh, churches that he's overseeing. And in the letter of 1 John, in the, in the entire letter, he uses the word love 45 times. It's a short letter. But in the last two chapters of the letter, in only 15 verses, 
John uses the word love 31 times. So at the end of this letter in 1 John, it's like a fireworks finale of love. And what I found so fascinating is that what Jesus said in this uh, vineyard with his disciples about love and how we should love, John allowed it to permeate him, get down deep down inside of him, so that 55 years later, he echoes those same words, almost exactly as Jesus says them. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in the vineyard, and then John, 55 years later, as he's teaching the churches he oversees how to love. Here's how it sounds. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's command and remain in his love. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is the love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know God, does, um, does not love, does not know God, because God is love. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends, if you do what I command. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. I no longer call you servants, because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that so you may bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. This is my command, love each other. So Jesus says, just as the Father has loved me, with the same proportion in the same way I've loved you. Now remain in my love. I wanna ask you right now, do you believe that God loves you for who you are and not as you should be? Is there anyone here today who you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross, he rose again from the dead, and you're ready to make him the leader of your life? 
saying, God, I've been following my own way. I'm tired of that. I want to follow your way, and I want to be immersed into you today. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of putting it off. But today is the day where I'm going to say yes to you. I'm going to enter into your love and remain in your love forever. Is there anyone here today who you believe Jesus died for you? You want to follow him and be immersed into him today. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just want to ask if that's you today and God is putting it on your heart. He's saying, come to me. You feel the adrenaline racing in your heart. You're trying to talk yourself out of it right now. You're thinking, is he talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. I want to ask you to do something bold, to make a bold decision. I'm going to count to three. This is not to embarrass you, but it's to give you a chance to stand and make a bold decision to say, yes, I believe Jesus died for me. I want to follow him, and I want to be immersed into him today. When I count to three, if that's you, would you stand to your feet? We have some people in our VIP team who will come and meet you, take you back, get you ready to be baptized. They'll pray with you. You don't have to put it off any longer. We have a change of clothes for you. I know you didn't come with a change of clothes. We have a change of clothes for you. We'll take your picture. We have professional photographers who will record that so you can send it to your friends and they can celebrate. So there's nothing that stands in your way today for making the decision to saying, yes, God, I believe, I want to follow you, and I want to be immersed into you. When I count to three, would you stand to your feet and that's you? One, two, three. Amen. Yeah, one, two. Hey, give it up. Give it up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.